Welcome to the Ogilvy Podcast, featuring expert conversations and analysis on the complexities of culture, technology, business, and marketing. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist, talking to you today from our office in Denver, Colorado. So innovation today goes hand in hand with digital transformation, which goes hand in hand with data. Lots and lots of data. Most of us are, at best, data novices, at worst, data Luddites. To thrive in this new world, it's fair to say that we all need to increase our data IQ. So today, we've brought Rob Davis here to share some data-driven insights into data and to explore the elusive link between data and innovation. Rob is the head of digital at Ogilvy and has one of the highest data IQs we've ever had on this show. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be here. How did your data IQ get so high? Uh, dumb luck. You know, in all seriousness, I, I, I fell into the internet world 25 years ago. Uh, so I'm, I'm pre-Netscape 1. And it's been, uh, it's just been a great journey. It's been a terrific journey. And data, you know, more and more as we go along, in all seriousness, I mean, data has become the key factor. I think for a while, it was a lot about new experiences, new technology driving things. Now it's really about you know, keeping the new tech. But what is it doing with data? How is it going to service in our day to day? So it's not just the cool device. It's what is the cool device doing? Mm -hmm. And so you hear, I mean, everybody's got this agenda of digital transformation. Everybody's trying to make things more efficient and, yes. and better. Um, explain to me what, what the connection is between that and data. Well, I think true transformation requires a consolidation of data and, and really the ability for a business to run off of common data streams. Right now, one of the biggest problems we have is that we have data literally passing in the pipes. They should be meeting up and being, you know, talking to each other and being used in different ways. We're not quite there yet. And, and while we're trying to get there, there are other things that are still pushing us to kind of just keep going a little further out without maybe taking care of some of the housekeeping in the back. So Internet of Things, right? We now have I mean, the, the amount of devices on the edge that are generating data that can be sent back to a hub and back to the edge immediately, self-driving cars being one mm -hmm. great example of that. I mean, what else does that data tell us? And where else do we have data streams that could make that data more valuable? And I think those are the kinds of things that are most exciting for transformation right now. It's not just, I can use my data for CRM, or I can use my data to make a self-driving car. What can I do using data that makes a better overall experience for the customer. I mean, I think in the old days, we looked at a, at a situation where data was almost a two-dimensional thing. You know, people saw it as, this is what's going to be in my spreadsheet, and I can yes. count, count the numbers up, and now it's not that anymore. It, it is not that anymore. It's <laughs> it, it's not the little cylinder on a flow chart. <laughs> it's not our little database that's off in the corner. Um, it's, it's part and parcel of everything that we do now. And, you know, harnessing it, I think the, you know, the power, the, 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 the brands that are going to succeed over the long haul are the ones who are going to start harnessing the power of it regularly. So I think there's this idea of digital transformation that it's almost like something to achieve. Okay, we've digitally transformed. Never going to happen, right? It's a constant phase. What to really truly say that a company or a brand is digitally transformed means that they are accepting constant evolution of what they do. They're never going to check a box and say we're done. They do that, they're going to be in the same position they're in now. So where do you think most companies are on that curve of maturity? Well, you know, there's such a spectrum. There is such <laughs> a spectrum. I mean, we see a lot of companies who have had uh, really great thoughts about data and what they want to do with it and go out and build huge tech stacks 
and then don't really know how to use them. I mean, it's the same thing we, you know, you and I have been in the business for a while. We've seen this, right? You go out and, and you know, buy some CRM software, buy a little tech stack, everything sounds good. But if you aren't using it, if the people aren't being trained, if it doesn't fit into your processes and systems, it just becomes another dead legacy system off in the corner that nobody wants to deal with. So, you know, what, what we're seeing now, I think are a lot, there's a lot more acceptance of the fact that this is not gonna be easy. This is is not going to be, I can just, you know, get get one SaaS service and it's going to take care of all of my data needs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the the, the clients that we work with that are the most advanced are still, for the most part, looking at it as uh, a lead gen and and CRM kind of data play. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, that what we're going to see next... Are, and that's a lot of a lot of that's in the B2B space and, and of course just in straight retail I think a lot of what we're gonna see next is starting to combine those data streams we talked about before and you know we have bits and pieces right so the was it tide has the Amazon button you're out of tide yeah. you can push the yeah. button mm-hmm. that's a really cool thing but what else can that connect to hmm. what else is that gonna be a part of and why if I'm out of tide and I'm in my car and I'm driving past the supermarket, why doesn't my car know I'm out of time? <laughs> right? That's the kind of thing that, that I think, you know, that's where the real innovation is going to be. It's combining these things. So what are, what are some of the best examples you're seeing today, like right now, what people are capable of? Um, I think there are, some, uh, boy, there's, there, there are some really interesting ones. I think you're starting to see Amazon really understand that their, their data is for a lot more than just e-commerce, even though obviously e-com is driving the company, right? So, uh, but even then, you look at a comp- all the companies that they've bought, mm-hmm. when they unite their data, be an absolute powerhouse, if and when they do that. I mean, more like they're not a powerhouse now. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're gonna be huge. Yeah, they're gonna this be Amazon huge. This Amazon thing is gonna be a, Gonna yeah. be really huge. Should I buy stock? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, could, yeah. could be good. I mean, I love, look, here's a, here's a great example. I love what LG is doing. LG has approached the whole Internet of Things as a uh, kind of from the point of view as it's open source. So rather than having a proprietary operating system that only LG products can talk to, their operating system is designed to talk to as many other operating systems as those systems will allow. Right. So rather than saying, you know, I'm going to have to have my Apple home or my IBM home, LG's goal is have what you want. We're going to make it all talk to each other. That's brilliant. I think that, that's one of my biggest digital frustrations is when my Amazon doesn't talk to my Google or I, I, can't, right. I can't get my, uh, you know, I can't watch Amazon Prime on my Chromecast because nobody, not everyone is playing nice. No, no. And I think, you know, the, uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago that the deal was, was uh, made public that um, Cortana is going to work on Alexa, right? Yeah. So that's a great combination. You know, that's super because they, they do two different things, even though they're both voice systems. They're, they're good at two entirely different things. They should work together. How is that going to work? Are you going to have to call out, hey, Cortana, hey, Alexa? That, that will be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Watson, hey, Google. Like, yeah, and, and then you, know, you have to get into being able to custom name it because that's what consumers are going to demand. We can't all be talking to the same person. Or you, or you, just, you, just, you just have to announce whatever it is that you need. I need, yeah. I need apples, and then you know, it'll, it'll figure out. Yeah, and I think it, it, and it has to be that way. We're not going to have four or five glorified speakers sitting around the house and have to talk to a different one for a different thing, right? It's just not going to happen. No. I mean, Amazon essentially runs my life right now because you know, I shop at Whole Foods and now I can mm-hmm. give them my Amazon mm-hmm. Prime yes. number. Yeah. 
I could eat, I could have them deliver it from the Whole Foods. I can come from somewhere else. I mean, they know more about me, probably too much about me, quite frankly. And that's a, that's a really interesting aspect of it when we talk about the, the especially the consumer behaviors. The, the line of convenience. I'm a Whole Foods customer too. We do the whole the whole connection, everything, and they, they do know a lot about me. But if they if they can use that for my daily benefit, I might be okay with it. That's okay. Well, you, and so far, Whole Foods has done nothing creepy to me. So <laughs> <laughs> when I get the message like, "You sure you want to drink that?" Then I'm gonna worry. <laughs> You look a little bloated today, Rob. I think you should put the chips back. <laughs> well, I think and I think a lot of people are familiar with the Target case study where they were sending the uh, pregnancy ads. Yes. Um, you know, to, to the woman. Somehow they had gleaned from their data that you know, buying the right lotions and vitamins that that woman is pregnant. Let's send her baby stuff. And of course, her family didn't know she was pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's. A, there, I mean. That, there are going to be little little disasters like that along the way, but I feel like that's part of the necessary learning. If, if we don't make those mistakes, we're not going to grow. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think we'll probably still have a few of those ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, is it only the big companies, like the Targets and the Amazons, who maybe have this almost ubiquitous view of everything going on in our lives who have the ability to be creepy or we're going to see creepiness from i i think that i think he come in from a lot of ways and and you know i mean the fallout with everything that's gone on with facebook and cambridge analytica and all of that yeah. i think you know people are a lot more um in tune to it but i don't think especially from a uh, from a consumer point of view i don't think anybody really knows what to do about it yet and um it's, it's interesting as we look at, you know, where social media spend is going and where the user traffic is going and maybe, you know, Facebook isn't quite getting the traffic it was, but Instagram is. And, you know, I've, I hear people in my, you know, my private life tell me, oh, yeah, you know what, I don't, I don't really like Facebook anymore as a company, but I love Instagram. Hello? <laughs> Hello? So, you know, and, and, and again, I mean, mistakes are going to be made. Mistakes are going to be made. Um, I think that's, it's some, that's, that's the core of innovation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to. One of the things that I talk about a lot that, that I think is a, a problem in the business world today is the curiosity gap. Hmm. We, we tend to, to well, we're, we're creatures of routine. We're creatures of habit anyway. But if we just accept the changes that are coming, accept the technology without being curious about, well, what can I do with that? How can I help that? How can I interact with it? Then you're always going to be at the mercy of what everybody else does. And that's what leads to disruption and all the things that we talk about in the business space. You know, it wasn't, I mean, you know, Airbnb, great example, right? Airbnb was a great kernel of an idea, but there was nothing that prevented anybody else from doing that, except that nobody else was curious. <laughs> nobody else asked that question, would people want to stay? In people's houses. Then, then, of course, there were a couple of others around the time Airbnb was starting that were poking at that. But Air, Airbnb figured out the data play. And they did some really, really interesting studies in the, uh, the, the early part of their existence around data collection and how many characters were too many characters to ask somebody to fill in in a field about their experience or what they wanted. <laughs> like, they really, they got it down to, you know, if we, if we keep an answer, I forget what the exact number is, but it's like they kept their answers under 70 characters, they were getting better data than if it was a free flow field that the user could <laughs> write as much or as little as they wanted in. Fascinates me. Fascinates I mean, I, me. I, I, I'm like, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to be helpful. I'll fill out your survey. I'm happy to, you know, do my part to make the world a better place. And then I'll get to that. I'll get to that big box, and I just stop. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to write an essay. I'll give you a sentence, maybe a couple of words, but yeah. Um, 
I'm the same way with TripAdvisor. <laughs> I'm a diehard TripAdvisor user, but I'm like, boy, after that second paragraph, I'm like, do I really yeah. have the time to do this? And is it yeah. really going to matter <laughs> to anybody's life? If the server was bad, could have been a bad day for them. I don't want That's to right. punish the restaurant forever That's just because one server had a bad day. Exactly. You hear, you hear for, for all of time, as long as the cloud exists, my one bad incident. Whoa, holy cow. <laughs> they put the frog in the drink. I don't, right? I don't know, oh, I don't know what the bad, the bad uh, incident would be. <laughs> do, do you see, um, I mean, I think there's there's a sense of people, um, you know, there is that, that basic, there's the basic data that some companies can, can get stuck on. Where do you think companies get stuck as they start to deal with stuff? So? I think one of the big problems is looking at data to fill traditional processes. So mm -hmm. rather than saying, how can data and technology help me change my business and grow? It's how can data and technology help me do what I'm already doing better? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there are going to be competitors that are out there who are asking the next question. That's the mm -hmm. curiosity gap. Are you satisfied to let technology make things a little faster, a little cheaper, a little easier? Or are you asking the question, how can this radically redefine my business, small business, large business, entire vertical society, like whatever your limitations are, you're, you're the expanse of your dream. And I think that's the difference right now. That's what, what we're seeing. The, the companies that are trying things are trying it because they're not just saying, this can make what we do already better. They're saying this can make us, or give us the capability to do something we couldn't do before. And what do you think is behind that curiosity gap? Are we just apathetic? I, well, I think we're overwhelmed. Mm. You know, I'm sure apathy does play a role, for sure. But, I mean, you have to... It, it, I almost think we're going to get to the point where, where we're going to have to have uh, people whose job is just vision. You know, and not, mm. I mean, I know there are a lot, of, a lot of brands that have chief innovation officers now and things like that. I think that's great. Um, their job needs to be vision. There needs to be a visionary looking out, and um, and I think you're going to see more and more of an emphasis on that, and and more of an expectation that your IT operation is actually leading you to the the next generational shift in your business, mm -hmm. not just making sure the Wi-Fi is up and your CRM data is there. I can't remember a single class that I've ever taken on building vision or being more imagined, other than maybe like a creative writing class or something where you. You have to paint a picture. Like right, that. right. But yeah. there's a hunger for it. So just yeah. think about what we're doing now. Look at mm -hmm. the podcast explosion, right? The podcast explosion has not been about polished entertainment. It's no. been about knowledge sharing. So that hunger is out there. The hunger is out there. And I think it's just a question of people being able to activate on it and feel like, you know, all right, this is something we can do. Uh, one of my favorite things to think about in, in terms of vision and leadership, and, and it's... It would be great if everybody had a Thomas Edison, but that's not going to happen, right? So if you have two or three people who can finish each other's sentences by saying and instead of but, you're going to start closing that curiosity mm -hmm. gap. Don't throw the idea out. Let's go. Let's explore. Let's take it out to the edge. And, and it's not something that has to be expensive. The cost is time. You mm -hmm. have to let people think and figure it out. I, I think there's a sense, too, if, is if you can get outside perspectives. I think people get so hung up on their own world. Yes. Outside perspectives, um, anything that breaks the quarter-by-quarter quarter financial cycle that we all work under, right? So, <laughs> I, I, and, and, and I, mean, I think, to me, this is one of the areas that, that holds back business. If most of your thought is, what's happening in the next three months before I have to make that phone call, and is the street going to be happy with me or not, mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about the long-term 
future of the business. Mm -hmm. And and those are the kinds of things that I think we're, we're going to have to start seeing change to see companies really transform digitally. Have to take a deep breath and say, you know what? This is a three-year play. I'll update you every quarter, but don't expect the earnings every quarter to reflect this mm -hmm. longer play. Give us some time. So do you think companies are sitting on a treasure troves of data now that can help fuel that, or is it about creating new data or uh, figuring new stuff out? It's both. It's both. I mean, through my career, I, I have known companies that have treasure troves of data that don't have the, uh, they, they haven't made the commitment to use it. So, mm. you know, it, what, what was 30 years ago, the lead in a drawer, it's the same kind of thing. There's a lead in an email, there's a lead in a database, but nobody's looking at it. There's nobody, you know, it, it's not prioritized, company's not staffed for it. Uh, one thing I hear a lot is, oh, we already have a lot of sales. So we don't want any more data coming in. I'm like, well, that's that's great. And if stagnation is your goal, God bless you, you're there. You're, and you're going to be great at it. Right? But it's it's technology and data have democratized the system so much that you really can't afford to be the conservative, stagnant company and not expect to get your clock cleaned at some point. And it's all the big technology vendors out there now. It's all about AI. All about AI. Is, is that is that legit, or is it a smokescreen, or where where does AI? Sit? Well, a lot of AI is a smokescreen, <laughs> but but that's okay. That's okay. Because look, here's the thing, right? For for years, we've been hearing that we're on the cusp of AR, VR, and AI to lump mm -hmm. them all together, right? Mm -hmm. They're all going to be the thing. Um, what we've seen with AI and and also AR is that there have been ways to enter into it lately. So you don't have to make the giant commitment that you know, is gonna be the big brain that's gonna drive your business right away. So, so one of the things I tell clients all the time is, if you haven't at least seriously considered a chatbot, you're behind. That's easy AI, mm -hmm. easy AI. Do something your customers would like, get some experience with it, see where it goes. It's iterative. You don't have to come up with the end all be all solution for AI in three months, because nobody has yet. Mm -hmm. And if you've got it, that's great. <laughs> don't tell me, patent it and go do it. <laughs> but. It's, um, it, again, you know, it's all about using data. AI is only as good as the data mm. that powers it. And it's only as good as our real-time data collection while people are using it, right? That's, that's the key. So when you look at um, companies like we work with, like IBM and Watson, mm. right? It's the continual learning. Again, it's not checking the box and saying, okay, Watson was invented. This is great. And it's perfect. It's and yeah. Watson, over time, becomes exponentially stronger. That's the kind of thing we have to get our mind around for everything in the uh, the data and tech world. It would be interesting to see the Watson of today compete against the original Watson right, on, right. on Jeopardy. That would be amazing. We, that would be we amazing. Should, we should propose that. <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> see see how, how much smarter Watson is. I'll call Alex Trebek, see what he thinks. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I came from the telco world for a little mm -hmm. while, and um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm ready for 5G. Oh yeah. Is anybody ready for 5G? Are companies ready for 5G? Oh, I, 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 you know, I think the tech companies are because I think that they're they're seeing what 5G is going to enable in terms of what we were talking about earlier with with data on the edge and the idea that data is now generated at multiple touch points of our lives and sent back to a hub. As long as that's the way that things move, 
5G and beyond are going to be essential. Mm -hmm. They're going to be essential. We're, we're, it's funny, we've always, we, we, we've been in the habit, I think, at least in the, the marketing world, of talking about speed as it relates to an experience. Like, I don't want my web page to download too slowly. I want this GIF to be able to mm -hmm. download quickly. What we're talking about now with this connectivity are things that actually matter to our day-to-day -day lives. Right? So the, the new Apple Watch having the, uh, the EKG feature yeah. in it, right? You want that to be able to communicate quickly. <laughs> Whoever yeah. needs to know, yeah. needs to know. Um, your your self-driving car needs to make sure that it's doing the right thing at the right time. And the, the brain is rarely going to be at the point of use on the edge. The, mm -hmm. brain, the brain is in the cloud. The brain is centralized. Mm -hmm. The data being gathered, processed, and used on the edge has to have maximum speed to the brain or it doesn't work. But we can move the brain closer. We sort can, of, for, for we parts can, of it. and that's, that's an interesting notion, right? Which is getting back to systems design like that. And where, and where does it start making sense to go back to node models? And right now everyone, and, and, and of course, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on whether a lot of brands really understand what the cloud is and what the cloud offers and how to maximize yeah. use of the cloud. But um, it, it will be interesting. You know, will, will your home become more of a hub at some point? Mm -hmm. Rather, you know, a mini cloud, <laughs> you know, your, your personal <laughs> cloud. Uh, so much, I think so much relies upon uh, consumer reaction to the, the things that are going on now. I, I saw a speaker from Jaguar uh, mm. who was talking about, as, as they're looking at designing new cars, the biggest challenge they have right now is that each of the systems is competing for bandwidth and space because of the amount of data that they're generating. Yeah. So they're making design decisions based on the amount of data that different pieces can can create or need to create or that they can use to interact with the overall system. And you know, it's, it's not about do we have space for this or space for that, it's about right. you know how much computing power can we actually keep in here. And um, you know, I, I have a laptop now with a terabyte of data or a terabyte of space. Like, it's crazy. Right, like, who needs a terabyte? Yeah, but, well, actually, <laughs> now that you mention it, between my, between my photographs and music collection, I think I need a few. <laughs> Not quite, we're getting there. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, look, that's the, in, in all seriousness, that's the crux of what we're living with right now, is this, this ability to have massive amounts of power that we never could have touched. So, great example, when I got out of college in 1990, I wanted to get into TV, TV production, mm -hmm. that was my thing. So a good friend of mine from back home at the Jersey Shore, was a couple years older than me, and he got into shooting sports freelance. And at that time, Betacam SP was the camera. Mm -hmm. That's what you needed to have to get hired as a stringer. So his father mortgaged his funeral home business so his <laughs> son could spend $90,000 on the Betacam and the associated microphones and things he's ne he needs. Mm -hmm. My phone does more <laughs> than that camera did. Right? And, and that's... and and. You know, we say that, it's like, oh, yes, we know, haha, -ha, you know, technology's a problem. Like, no, really, think about that for a minute. <laughs> I have, and that's only one aspect of my phone. Even, even as a consumer, am I really making use of the data that I can access and contact? Am I making it work for me? Having my Fitbit or my Apple Watch talk to my phone is cool, that's great. What's next with it? I help me. Help me with it. I'll, can I just one quick thing? Yeah. Uh, we did a study about um, habits of online video viewers, and uh, what a couple of the questions were about retargeting, and the the response was really interesting. It's like 
I don't mind that you're tracking me and retargeting me, but don't tell me what I already did. If I looked at a pair of boots yesterday, don't tell me today about a pair of boots, yeah. unless you're going to educate me on them, or you're smart enough, everything else you know about me, tell me what else I should do next. If I bought those boots, which you might not know when I get the retargeted ad, that drives me mm -hmm. nuts when I buy something and I'm retargeted for a month after, help me learn. Don't tell me what I did, tell me what I should do. And I think use of data like that is, is what's gonna really gain consumer acceptance. Because I mean, I get, um... I mean, the easiest thing, right, is if I looked at the boots yesterday and I didn't buy them. Right. The next day, if you're going to retarget me, give me a discount. Yeah. Cut the price by 20%. The chances are I didn't buy the boots. If I spent a lot of time looking at them, I want them. Right. But they were too much. It was yep. too expensive. So just cut the price. You actually make your retargeting. Yeah. Right? Or, or tell me, yeah. you, know, hey, you know, you looked at these boots. Did you know that these, which are $50 less, are really similar? Yeah. Same fit. Yeah. Same Educate style. me. Yeah. Educate me. Yeah. Help me. Don't out. just say, "Hey, you didn't buy this yesterday." I mean, I I've given my life over to ways. <laughs> I cannot drive. I might be driving a mile, to you know the same mile I've driven every day. Yeah. I'm yep. going to use ways because your know, ways knows something in the future. But it, it's weird to see the resistance people have to trusting ways. You know, I'll I'll ride with friends and they'll be like, "Oh, don't use that. I know how to get there." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't know better than Waze does. <laughs> Always trust Waze. <laughs> Always, I'll, well, and I, so I, I have a, a 2017. I'm not going to name the brand because I'm going to say something bad about it. <laughs> but it's a great car. Love the car. Amazing car. But the, the built-in GPS sort of kind of has some traffic updates sometimes. Right, but, but right. The, the interface is so, you know, it feels so like 1998. Or something yes. like, hey, look, we got a map, and you know, we'll show you where to go. Like my father might be able to use it. You know, it's not designed for people who are used to that constant interaction. Well, let, let's talk about that, right? The, ex the the experience design in a car that is computer enabled. Yeah, it's still. I mean, there there are some systems that are better than others, but most of them still have some clunkiness factor too. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's uh, again another place where I, I if I were a car manufacturer right now. In addition to style and color and all the things we worry about, I would be looking at making the most user-friendly system for my car. Mm -hmm. Or at least opening up the choice. Open, or opening the choice, yeah, right. Let me cobble it together. If you don't have the best one, take the LG model. Yeah. We don't care what you got. Plug yeah. it in. Yeah, plug it in. Plug it in and just go. Mm -hmm. um, so you recently wrote a paper called Cordless, the Radical Redefinition of Television. Can you talk about the paper and, and uh, you know, how, how data is contributing to this redefinition? Sure. Well, you know, the, the, the paper focuses on the rise of over-the-top TV, OTT. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there's a great story there about the curiosity gap being closed by people who weren't in the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I, was, uh, I had spent a lot of time on the, uh, the digital side of the cable TV business. And in the late 90s, there was a, a fairly large group of us who said, you know what, now is the time to start moving programming over to the internet. But the entire cable industry was based upon the affiliate relation deals between the networks and the cable companies. Right? Mm -hmm. That's the, all the money flowed yep. back and forth there. So circumventing that was putting a knife right into the heart of the business model. So the curiosity factor was kind of pushed back. Like, let's not be too mm -hmm. curious about that. It's going to upset what we do. But then obviously there are companies that went around that. And that's how you ended up with Netflix and, mm -hmm. and everything else that's changing the market. And now what we're getting to, to a point with is there's so much data to help you decide what you want to watch and what you want to experience. 
that we're, we're so fragmented, it's getting frustrating mm -hmm. again, right? So, you know, there are, there, uh, I mean, Roku's got a pretty good electronic programming guide. TiVo has, I think, is, are they using TiVo? Is that the software that Roku's using? Um, it could forget be. Who, forget who. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it this way. <clears throat> There are some good electronic programming guides, but nobody's really mm -hmm. totally solved it yet. And and you know who's going to track what? You know, I sit down. I still have I have an old school uh, cable mm -hmm. contract. I've got a hundred thousand million channels of which I watch three. But I've also got Netflix. And we've got Amazon Prime and yada yada mm -hmm. yada. Mm -hmm. uh, add into that um, satellite radio, everything else that we have connected, podcasts from any number of distributors. It's very hard to navigate. It's very hard to navigate. So what the, the paper is about is taking a deep breath and saying, look, it is a mess, but there are a lot of people who are using it. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, from the marketing side, brands are behind. We haven't mm -hmm. seen brands really start to embrace the idea of what can be done when you have somebody watching on a digital platform where you can fully control the experience. Mm. So we see boneheaded things. Um, one of the, the uh, premium channels on, on my cable system only lets me fast forward or rewind in three minute increments. Why now? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. talk about yeah. backwards. I mean, even in the old days, it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this is like making up something worse than it ever was. So, you know, I think the, the, it's a great time for brands to start experimenting with the overall experience. And, and, you know, that can range from any number of things from deep content to smart use of six second bumpers, excuse me, <clears throat> to smart use of six second bumpers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's it's just all sorts of opportunities. So brands need to get down with OTT. Definitely down with OTT, <laughs> OTT. quickly, quickly. <laughs> it's a curiosity gap that will be closed soon. <laughs> we'll close soon. Well, and to the point of um, a guide, right? Like, I, I think now, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat. I've got the Hulu, I've got the Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. I've got the Netflix. And I choose shows based on what people are telling me. Right. Because there's not necessarily good curation from people who I trust. And, and like, you know, I can't go to say, okay, what, what are the shows that so-and-so recommend? Mm -hmm. You go online and kind of do that. But... Yeah, I think that would, that would be a great opportunity for a brand to be able to curate even within those channels to say these are these are shows that are you know, related to stuff that we're interested in or yeah. something like that. And and I you know I th I think that that kind of personal electronic programming guide will be one of the next big breakthroughs with OTT. Like the the ways of you OTT. Know, the ways of OTT. <laughs> Absolutely. We should copyright that. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll build that. Uh, wow, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, Rob. Thanks for coming in to our little um, fancy... This, you're the first person in our new studio. Wow, here I'm our, honored. Yeah, I'm yeah, honored. Yeah, here, here in the new offices. It's been so. a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. All right, well, thank you all for joining us today on the Ogilvy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mudd. Thank you again to our expert guest, Rob Davis. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. Check back with us next time, and we'll discuss how Hurricane Florence will affect the touring plans of Florence and the Machine. Until next time, bye.